Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, each and every one who are joining us today. We bless God, we praise God, we thank God for each and every one of you. We would like to welcome you to this beautiful day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice, hallelujah, God, and be glad in it. And we'd like to welcome you to a morning walk in God's word. Amen, amen, and amen. Today we are continuing with our walk through the book of Galatians. We are in Galatians chapter 2 in its entirety. And as always, we are coming from the message version. And it reads, 14 years after that first visit, Barnabas and I went up to Jerusalem and took Titus with us. I went to clarify with them what had been revealed to me. At that time, I placed before them exactly what I was preaching to the non-Jews. I did this in private with the leaders, those held in esteem by the church, so that our concern would not become a controversial public issue marred by ethnic tensions, exposing my years of work to degradation and endangering my present ministry. Significantly, Titus, non-Jewish though he was, was not required to be circumcised. While we were in conference, we were infiltrated by spies pretending to be Christians who slipped in to find out just how free true Christians are. Their ulterior motive was to reduce, reduce us to their brand of servitude. We didn't give them the time of day. We were determined to preserve the truth of the message for you. As for those who were considered important in the church, their reputation doesn't concern me. God isn't impressed with mere appearance, and neither am I. And of course, these leaders were able to add nothing to the message I had been preaching. It was soon evident that God had entrusted me with the same message to the non-Jews as Peter had been preaching to the Jews. Recognizing that my calling had been given by God, James, Peter, and John, the pillars of the church, shook hands with me and Barnabas, assigning us to a ministry to the non-Jews, while they continued to be responsible for reaching out to the Jews. The only additional thing they asked was that we remember the poor, and I was already eager to do that. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when the conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. 
If you, a Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to confirm to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem cronies? We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it, and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Have some of you noticed that we are not yet perfect? No great surprise, right? And are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't perfectly virtuous, Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin? The accusation is frivolous. If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a charlatan. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Amen, amen, and amen. And that was Galatians chapter 2 in its entirety coming from the message version. And we know that the word of the Lord is already blessed. And now that we have taken our morning walk in God's word, we encourage you as you go forward in your day that you allow God's word to walk and work through you as you have a Holy Ghost filled, blessed, prosperous day in Jesus name on purpose. Remember, we love you, but more importantly, God loves you. God bless.